Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What if your understanding of how to get to heaven was wrong. How crucial is that? It's the greatest disaster that could ever happen in our lives. That's what happened with the Pharisees. They thought, you'll see in a moment, they had a guaranteed access to heaven because they were good people. Jesus in the parable goes, you're wrong. What is the greatest mistake you could ever make? Many would say turning down a great job opportunity or ending a relationship prematurely. But could your decision about God be the make it or break it moment in your life? Today, Pastor Mark will use the example of the Pharisees to challenge listeners to be very careful that their evaluation of God is the right one. You could be spot on with every financial or relational choice you make in this world. But if you're wrong about God, nothing else matters. Have you allowed pride to influence a desire for God in your life today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues with his message entitled, Who Can Enter the Kingdom of God? John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? Jesus says, okay, I'll answer your question about my authority, but first I want to ask you, when John the Baptist came with his ministry, his whole ministry, was it from heaven? Did he get his authority from God? Or was John the Baptist just doing his deal? Was he out just doing his own thing? In other words, was the ministry of John the Baptist approved by God? Or was John the Baptist just off on a tangent doing his own deal? Notice something in verse 25. I think it's very important. Jesus is stating a very important principle. All authority, watch, is either from God or from man. It's either from God or from man. Either I'm doing what God asked me to do, or I'm doing my deal. Now, authority. Why do we need authority? Why did God establish authority? Well, it's the right to rule. Let's, let's take it away from the spiritual aspect for just a moment. Let's go to authority in our world today. When God established the world, he established a number of authorities. didn't only establish himself in the word of God. In the home, he established the husband to be the spiritual leader. Now, why did he do that? So that the home would be a safe place, a place where God's word was taught, 
What do we find in the home today? Absent fathers. Absent husbands. The authority's gone. Well, what about in our cities? Did God establish authority in our cities? Well, sure he did. Our government. Our police department. Well, Linda and I were in Toronto. We took the little tram and the bus down to our hotel downtown. Got our hotel on price.com. Did a really great job. And we were down there, and we were about six blocks from our hotel. And I got off, and I said to the man in the station, who's the man in authority, is it safe to walk at 10 o'clock at night with our little luggage? We always pack light, just have a little carry-on suitcase. Is it, is it safe for my wife and myself to walk the another five blocks to our hotel, or should we get a cab? He said, it's totally safe. We walked a few blocks, and there was a Fairmont Hotel. We weren't staying there. But I, one of the guys came out and I said to him, there's lots of people on the street, it looks pretty safe. So I said to him, is it really safe? He says, it's totally safe. Now, let me ask you a question, why is it safe? Because the authority, the police, make it safe. So we walked to our hotel. So in our homes, the husband is the authority under God. What about in this church? Any authority in this church? Sure. I'm the authority. God placed me, the elders, and the pastors in authority to rule you so that you are safe. Is that important? That's critically important. Now, always under who? God. Never like a Jim Jones on your own deal. So authority is very important. Our world in general doesn't care for authority. You get on a subway, I don't care what city you're in, other than maybe Singapore, you get on a a, a subway and you'll find that somebody has cut the glass in the windows. They just do. They rebel. So in this passage of scripture, it's important for you to understand that authority, there's only two options to authority. Either God established it, Or man's trying to do his own thing. Well, look at the options these Jewish leaders have. They're in a predicament. Jesus put them right in the corner. Verse 25. Well, they discussed it among themselves and said this. If we say from heaven, then he's going to ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, well, neither will I tell you what authority I'm doing these things. What are the two options? The Jewish leaders, they're trapped. They know if they admit John the Baptist was sent by God, they're in trouble. Why? Well, not only did John the Baptist say, repent, but John the Baptist said this in his ministry. One day, Jesus was walking by, and John the Baptist said this, whoa, behold, The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. So if they go, oh, John the Baptist got his authority from God. Then Jesus is going to say to them, then why didn't you repent? And why don't you recognize me as the Messiah? John did. He got his authority directly from God. In fact, The problem they have is, what is option two? It's not much better. If they say, 
John the Baptist was this guy. He was in the wilderness. He wore camel clothing and ate locusts and honey and locust feet out of his teeth. He's just a guy doing his own thing, man. It's just John the Baptist. Well, they know if they say that, the people are going to be what? Livid. Because in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that God would send John the Baptist as a forerunner. In fact, the book of Luke says they were so afraid that if they said that John the Baptist wasn't from God, they were afraid, Luke says, they would be stoned by the people. So what do you do if you're a religious leader? And your option one is a dead end, and your option two is a dead end. I mean, you're respected by the people. What do you do as a religious leader? What did they do? They lied. That's encouraging, isn't it? What did they say? We don't know. Did they know? Absolutely they knew. So here's the religious leader, supposed to be the safe authority over the people. They simply lie. Well, why don't people want to admit that God has authority? Why don't they want to admit it? Well, because we have within us a rebellious part of us that says no to God and yes to me. You have that. I still have it. I still have a nature that says, I know God says this, but I want to do this. All of us have it. The only two options, it's not complicated. Either I submit to God and his rules, or I rebel against it. Now, sometimes I don't rebel like, no, I just make lots of excuses. Well, it's the same thing. Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. CCM and CCMV look at verse 28. Jesus says, starting a whole new passage on authority, he says, what do you think? What do you think? Here's what you want to write down. It really doesn't matter what we think. We need to know what God thinks. One of the reasons I like to travel the world is to see what the world is thinking. Whether it's China, India, Singapore, wherever in the world, Toronto. And usually I do that by watching the people and turning on a television program for a little while just to kind of see if I can hear some things that are happening. You guys in America understand this. We have morally, the United States, has morally corrupted much of the world through our cable television. The world was never like this. and They were sinful, but they didn't have this immorality that's there. Well, Linda and I were there in the hotel, and just for a few moments, we popped on a television program. It was young people. And I, I like to watch young people, because I like to see how they're thinking. And the mood was this. They were talking about marriage, and the conversation with all these sharp-looking young people was simply this. Who cares about marriage? That's outdated. You just, you just enjoy life. And one young lady, she just said this. Well, I, and she's probably 20. She said, I just sleep with a different guy every night. And cool, I don't care about marriage. I'm just really enjoying life. And the crowd's going, yeah, it's great. It's wonderful, terrific. Well, now let's have a moment. Is is there anything in there about that? Yes. So, you know, immediately I I went out on the street, put a sign up. What's wrong with you, people? 
you're going to hell. No, you don't do that. Why? What you do is you have to have compassion in here because nobody's told him there's a rule book. By the way, do you think she will find satisfaction? Never. And my heart broke as I watched it. Now, why did it break? Because she's been, I can guarantee you, I don't know her history, I'll guarantee you this. She's raised in a home where mom and dad never introduced her to this. Because they were never introduced to it. Or they rebelled against it. You see, this is the rule book. It's not hard to keep. It's for our good. It provides beautiful things. And when I heard that, I hear it the same. doesn't matter what part of the world I go. It's pretty much the same. People are looking for answers, and they don't know where to look. See, it's not important what you think. It's only important what God thinks. That's his rules. That's the way we do life right. Well, Jesus goes on, and notice what he says. Verse 28. What do you think? There there was a man who had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. Any of you have teenagers? Let me see your hand. Any of you have? Vera, any teenagers? Okay, you'll understand this next answer. I will not. <laughs> pretty, pretty common, isn't it? Okay, could be a two-year-old, but I will not. I will not, he answered. But notice this. But later he changed, circle that word, we'll be back to it. He changed his mind, and underscore this word, and went. Well, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered differently than the first son. He said, oh, I will, dad. But he did not go. Now, what's the deal with this parable? Why is Jesus telling this? Well, he's telling it for a reason. He's telling it for us to think. Now, the vineyard always represents the nation of Israel. The father in this parable is God. He's the owner of the vineyard. He's the, the father has authority. He says, I have a right to expect my two sons or two daughters to work in the vineyard. I'm the authority figure. The two sons represent two groups of people. The first group of people are self-righteous. You'll fall into one of these two categories. Self-righteous means, I don't need God. I'm good enough in myself. Who did this represent in our story? Obviously, the religious leaders. We don't need God. We're good people. The second son is represented by publicans, sinners, prostitutes, just general sinners in Israel. Everybody is divided that way. Basically, they're all sinners. One doesn't think so. The other one knows so. Now, as you go through this, what are the responses we see in the story? Either obey dad or don't obey dad. Either obey God or don't obey God. Remember how simple Christianity is? God is the authority figure. Here's the rules. Either submit to God or rebel against God. Same story. Same exact story. The father is God. 
The sons are the religious leaders and the average person. They're both sinners. The authority says, go work. One says, I won't. Later changes his mind, does. The other one says, I will. Never goes. What are we going to learn from that? Well, very interesting. You see, the Jewish people misunderstood how to get to heaven. They absolutely believe they were good enough in themselves to get to heaven. Now, let me ask you a question today. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. My wife, the same. A mom and a grandma. Let me tell you something. Is there anything in life more important than this? Listen, Viera, listen, internet, listen. Is there anything more important in life than knowing where you will spend eternity? You see, I don't really care if my son makes a million bucks or my daughter's married to a guy that makes a million bucks to live in the biggest house. They're well-known throughout the world. They have perfect health. I don't care about any of that. It's okay. I mean, I want them to be good citizens. I want them to work. I want them to get educated. They both got educated. They did all those things. The only thing that's important to me and to my wife is that my son, my daughter, their spouses, and their kids, our grandkids, are in heaven. Nothing else is important. Do you understand that? Well, now think about this. What if... Your understanding of how to get to heaven was wrong. How crucial is that? It's the greatest disaster that could ever happen in our lives. That's what happened with the Pharisees. They thought, you'll see in a moment, they had a guaranteed access to heaven because they were good people. Jesus in the parable goes, you're wrong. You can't get to heaven with that attitude. So listen up this morning here in Vieira on the internet. Listen up. You want to know the most important question in all of life. And Jesus is going to teach us. Now, he had spoke to the Pharisees before. In Matthew 5, 20, you see it. Jesus says this, but I warn you, talking to the general public, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the average person went, you got to be kidding me. The scribes and the Pharisees, they have their religious garb on. They're always in the temple. They're offering sacrifices. I mean, if, if I have to be better than them, I have no chance. What did Jesus mean? He meant that the religious ceremonies of these people, it was all outward. It was ritual cleansing. But their hearts had never changed. He said, you, can, you, can, you you got to supersede this. you got to be way better than this. He wasn't talking about doing more good things. He was talking about a heart being changed. It comes back to the same old deal of religion versus relationship. Now, turn with me. Keep your finger right there. We'll be back to chapter 20. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Same book, Matthew chapter 3. What was Jesus trying to say? Well, we go back to John the Baptist. He confronted the religious leaders. Remember, John the Baptist came on the scene. Follow me for a moment. When he came on the scene, he came out of the wilderness, and he began saying this to the people, repent, get right with God. Well, they hadn't heard this really in Israel. All the religious activity in Israel was centered in Jerusalem by the religious leaders. You know where it transferred to? 
it transferred down to the Jordan River with one funky-looking prophet who said to the people, it's time to get right with God. Well, all the activity moved. And all of a sudden, all the people were down at the Jordan River. Well, the religious leaders came. And they started looking over it. John the Baptist speaks to him. looking in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, kindly, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? In other words, what the heck are you doing here? Then he said this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What did he mean? Listen, watch me. Go back to this first son, second son. Second son says, I will, and does nothing. He says, you have a form of godliness, but you don't follow through. Then he goes on and he says, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. John was attacking the very same attitude we have today. Religious concepts that say this. Why are you going to heaven? They believed they were going to heaven because they were Jews. I mean, their ancestry was from Abraham. Well, what do we believe today? Many people today say, well, why are you going to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a member of the Catholic Church. Or I've been coming to Calvary Chapel Lumber for 10 years, man. I'm going to heaven. Really? Does it have to do with the church? You know, if that was true, how about me? I mean, my dad was a pastor. <laughs> and I got one better. My grandpa was a pastor. I'm in, baby. <laughs> See, that's what the religious leaders were saying. We're Jews. Automatic free pass. Go right into heaven. What does John say to him? No, it's all outward. Prove it by change of a life. See, today the danger. You say to people, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. I belong to church. I give tithes. I've been water baptized. No, 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 no. None of those things will get you into heaven. John the Baptist was just saying to them, you're self-righteous. You think you're good enough to go? In fact, John says, really, God can take these stones and get them into heaven easier than you. Why? Because they already thought they had it made. Now turn back to Matthew 21, verse 29. Let's take a look at these two sons. Let's see what's really necessary to get us into heaven. This is what Jesus was teaching. Remember the first son, verse 29? I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. He changed his mind and went. He went to work to prove that his change of mind was real. Real repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of living. It doesn't really matter what we think. We need to know what God thinks. Today, Pastor Mark taught us that if God is the ultimate authority over everything and he's laid out a blueprint for life, then our life really comes down to one choice. Regardless of how we feel, how we think life should go, we must submit to his promises. Have you chosen the correct path to follow in your life? One leads to death and the other eternal life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What is expected of a changed Christian life? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that real repentance leads to real obedience. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, some changes are likely to be made in your lifestyle. God isn't looking for cool Christians. He's looking for broken and contrite Christians. He wants you to die to self daily so you might better represent Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given